Thanks, John and Claire. As I said, my name's Malcolm. Um, just such a thrill to have been called to be the pastor of this community um, for 17 years. It's an interesting question, isn't it? What were you doing 17 years ago? It's always lovely to meet people who say, I wasn't here 17 years ago. I wasn't even on the earth. Um, and it has been and is an incredible privilege. They're by the lake, um, and Jesus speaks to them in parables. In fact, it says a little later in Mark that he only spoke to them in parables. That sort of annoys people. It's almost like he spoke that they wouldn't understand. We'll look at that in a few minutes. But, uh, but he spoke to them in parables. And if you'd come up with this parable of a sower and rocks and seed and the like, uh, if, if you'd written this, you'd be famous. And if it was the only thing you ever wrote, you'd be awesomely famous. This is genius in words. And so let's unpack the genius of the story telling Jesus in this parable. In fact, some of us here have actually been to where this was 90% sure it was written. I've had a, I've had a swim in the lake at this point where Jesus sat in the boat. So another thing about the things Jesus said and did was that they actually happen in time and space and history. You can go there and you can see where these things happened. But anyway, the parable of the sower. There's a a German, he's actually an Austrian poet, um, who was in a museum in Paris, and he's a spiritual uh, man, and he spent quite a bit of time in front of an ancient statue of the god Apollo, And then he wrote down in his diary, I must change my life. Funny thing to come back with after looking at a statue of Apollo. And what he was probably really trying to say in the diary is that anything that actually touches you or moves you or gives you great new insight or is beautiful, always makes you aware of the fact that you're actually just a shadow of who you know you could be. We're so far from where we sense we could be as people. Jesus is the master of applying story And in this passage, he tells us how we can change who we are, which is a pretty radical idea. I just said how we can change who we are. That's completely wrong. It's how he can change who we are. You know, it's so tempting when you come to a parable like this to focus on the soils you know, the circumstances of our lives. And that's what I just said just now, how we can change who we are. No, the soil's all about that. It's about how he can change who we are that we're interested in this morning. Jesus wants you and I to focus on the thing that will change our lives, yes, but it's him. It's the seed that we're going to focus on this morning. 
Jesus says, I can change your life if you'll recognise and accept the basic message that I came to impart to you. It's said here again and again, the word, my word. It's all about Jesus. We sometimes call this the gospel or the good news. If you receive my word, Jesus says, my good news is a seed and understand it as a seed, it will change your life. That's the promise of God, of Jesus sitting in a boat, talking across water to a small amphitheatre to some thousands of people. So why does Jesus liken his coming as Lord of your life and mine to a seed? So there are three things. There are always three things, aren't there? Three things that you can notice about the seed. Thing one, the seed in and of itself has power. That's the first thing we'll look at. The interesting thing about the seed is the way it expresses or distributes its power. How does a seed do that? It releases its power in a certain way. Now, we're quite happy for God to be powerful, But the really important thing is that second thing. How is that power released? And the third and final thing is we discover that a seed's weakness is in fact the secret to its power, not its strength. So we'll finish there. Power, how is that power released? And weakness is actually the secret of that power. So let's have a look at it. The first one, the word, the seed of Jesus, how his life and death and resurrection and ascension works on us in our lives. Summarise, that's the gospel, that's that thing called the gospel, um, is what we're looking at, how it releases its power. So when God speaks in the Bible, we see this in John chapter 1 in the beginning at the creation, we see that God speaks and things happen. The word is creative and powerful. All things come into being, John 1 tells us, by his word, the word of power. God's word doesn't just have creative power. He speaks and things come into being at the creation. It actually has recreative power. It it does something amazing inside those who are open to hearing it. When the Apostle Paul came into Corinth, he was generally unimpressive. And it was noticed that he was unimpressive. He preached an unimpressive crucified king. He was physically unimpressive. His language, his rhetorical polish wasn't there. It wasn't influential or powerful. It was unimpressive. And yet, despite those obstacles, when he spoke the message, the word about Jesus... To the Corinthians, it came, the Bible says, to them with power. How can that be? How can that be? It's way more than information. It's a power. Like a seed has power within it. When a seed is placed in the right conditions, it releases that power. Power. So the word or message of God, when released, has the power to grow, not just 
physical life, but spiritual life. And that's the unique thing about what happens here. It's a spiritual life that grows. And it has the power to come into you and release the very life of God in you. So, Jesus is saying, when we hear the word of God empowered, as Kieran has prayed already this morning, by the Spirit of God, it has the ability to initiate into people a higher order of life, a spiritual life that comes alight and alive. That is, you start to see reality like you've never seen it before. And you may know what I'm talking about. You may have experienced this yourself. An inkling of a seed shooting and sprouting in you spiritually. And you know it's changing you in some way. There are millions and millions of testimonies to what C.S. Lewis called this strange warming that seems to come from we know not where and changes lives. It's like a light's come on. Come on. It might take years or months or come in a moment, but you start to see things in a different way. You start to see things that you've never seen before that others can't see who haven't had that power planted in them. So spiritual things begin to make sense to you and become real to you. Things like holiness, things like forgiveness, things like sacrifice, servanthood, sin, resurrection, and in my case, what real love was, what love really was. And if it's real to you, it changes you. And the main way it changes you is this. It changes you from starting with yourself. I want to be loved and accepted and significant and worthwhile. So I will work as hard as I can towards that goal of being lovable, acceptable, significant and worthwhile. I'll get that for myself. Please get with my program, God. Two goes from that to the true conviction that you are loved. You are accepted. You are significant. You are worthwhile, not because of anything you have done, but because of what God has done for you and has begun to reveal in you. In fact, you or I, we shrink in importance and he grows in us. And as he grows in us, we grow, but not proudly or bombastically or inward, but inwardly and, and with a degree of humility. Life moves from religion, I've earned God's acceptance, now he owes me, to the good news of God, the gospel. God accepts me through what he's done through the gracious love of Jesus. Therefore, now I want to please him. Religion, and a lot of, a lot of people who have been to church schools struggle with this. They tell me about this. Religion may change us mechanically. We do religious things. 
But the impact of God's spirit power, the seed, changes us kind of organically. Oh, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Sort of way. We may actually get stronger and tougher. doesn't mean we get all weak and floppy. But at the same time, we feel more sensitive and more confident and bold. Or we feel more humble and less focused on ourselves or more generous or more free to love people who are different from you, who in the past you couldn't stand and you become more forgiving. Some of you know that Cheryl and I spent 10 years in community and there was me, Sharp, Seymour and Cody. Couldn't stand Seymour or Cody. Cody used to borrow your car and crunch the gears just wanted to kill him. And Seymour, when he did the dishes, the water was always greasy and cold and he'd sort of fiddle with them in the sink. You just wanted to kill him. And as that year went on, God started to do something in me. They still crunched the gears and they still washed the dishes the same and goodness knows what I did that they wanted to kill me for. But over time, I saw those things less and less. And what I started to see was the changes that God was making in Seymour and in Cody and in me. I changed through no doing of my own bit by bit. If that's happening or happened to you, it's organic growth. It's not mechanical growth. You don't work at it in the way that you work at you know, building a garden or a fence. It's a sign of the power of God at work within you. And it's kind of cool, isn't it? Now, many people understand that. Some don't. Some would like it. For some, it's old news. And others aren't interested. But really, that's the power of the seed. The second thing I think is actually kind of more important. So please listen to this. It's how does the message of God, the work of God in Christ, the the good news, the gospel, release that power? How does God release his power in us? The seed releases its power by going down deep. Jesus wants us to go down deep. Look at the three soils that don't produce much organic growth. They don't do much. They repel or choke that life-giving power from the seed. In every case, look at it, it's a depth problem. Bang, land on the rock, don't get anywhere. Bang, land on the gravelly rock, get somewhere but not far enough. Bang, land in the good stuff, but there's piles of weeds and thistles. Get in there, but I can't get deep enough to go deep. The competition of desires and cares is too much, and they choke me and they stop you, stop me from reaching the true Jesus. In every single case, Jesus can't go deep enough in us, or we prevent him from going deep enough. There's power in the seed, but there are obstacles 
to it penetrating and producing abundantly. Repeatedly, Jesus says in this, uh, through, through parables and in Mark's gospel, listen, hear, understand again and again and again. It's a wrestle for your attention and my attention. There's never been more distraction in life, more things to just slip us away into distraction. But the good news of Jesus, the gospel, isn't something that does something to you without you. You have to participate in what's happening. You can't just sit back and pray, oh God, come and change my life. You work it in. You till it, you guard it, you think it through, you listen, you, go, you hear intentionally, intentionally and attentively. You understand more and more and it's fascinating and it's gradual and it's sustained and it goes down and down and down slowly. That's how the incredible power is released into your life. You have to be prepared to keep going deeper. There's a slide there, I hope, Jace. Um, you know, arty types like me who like reading kids' fantasy books. Um, there's a biography. I've been reading Narnia. I've read all of those in the last couple of weeks. And uh, they've been so sustaining to my spiritual life over, over much of my spiritual life. But um, C.S. Lewis uh, responded to a guy named Alan Jacobs who wrote a biography And Jacobs asked Lewis in the process, he said, um, people often ask, or Lewis said, people often ask me with Narnia, how did I do it? Um, Where did it come from? And so Lewis responded, uh, and it's recorded by Jacobs in this biography of his life. He said something like this. He said, some people seem to think that I began Narnia by asking myself, how I could say something about Christianity to children. Well, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Then I fixed on the fairy tale as an instrument to do this. Then I collected information. I went and consulted with child psychologists and decided on which age group I should target. And then I drew up a list of basic Christian truths. And then I hammered out allegories that would fit and teach those basic Christian truths, then I cobbled it all together and you've got Narnia. Lewis said, pure moonshine. Or another word would be bollocks. He says, I couldn't write in that way at all. Then he says, if you're an artist, you don't ask, you don't ask, What do children or readers want? You you don't do that if you're an artist. You don't even ask what do children or readers need. What you do is not ask those questions at all. Never start with a moral and then try and come up with a story to teach the moral. Rather... Let the images and stories that live in you and come to your mind and move you tell their own moral. So 
Here's the kicker. For the moral inherent in you and in the stories you tell will rise from whatever spiritual roots you have succeeded in striking during the whole course of your life. And out of that, the story will come. You'll live the story and tell the story that lives and is being told in you. So, if you're a business guy or a teacher or retired with grandchildren or a leader or a medico or an influencer or just an ordinary little backyard gardener, the real question is, have we as Christians really worked the life of Jesus into our lives so that when we're there in business or in the classroom or wherever we are with the patient, that it's the life that's gone deep, the life of Jesus in us, that comes forth from us. That's the real challenge of Christian discipleship. That's how it gives life. It's a seed and it has to go all the way to the roots and you have to keep working it in and the more you do, the deeper it goes and the more the life comes. So that's the second point, the power, but how the power releases itself. And finally, as we finish, the Gospels or the good news or the life of Jesus in you The weakness of it is the secret to its power. It's the weakness of it. We read in scripture in many places that power is released through weakness. Corinthians again, Paul talks about that. So what does it mean? What does that mean? Well, Jesus could have chosen another image, couldn't he? He could have chosen the image of a hammer (coughs) as his image of power. Or he could have chosen a sword, scything its way through. Or a fire, burning things up. But he chooses a seed. And a seed is a weak little thing. I mean, look, you never stand there with a seed and go, bombs away! (laughs) Do you? You know, it's a weak little thing. Some of them are so small you can't even see them. Three out of the four soils reject the power of the seed, of the word of God. They reject it. The first one doesn't even give it a look in because it's not impressive at all. Bang! The second one is excited about Jesus but has nothing to get into. The third is initially enthusiastic but lives this sort of neurotic seesaw of a life. There are desires on this side. I want entertainment, miracles, good times, stuff, people, love, relationships, desires. And on the other side, oh, I'm concerned about fear, worries, fretting, anxiety, love, relationships. That's the third soil. And in every single case of those first three soils, the people respond as though... These are options for them. Like somehow it's an option. What's in it for me? 
We were having the sound desk put in this week. Lovely guy, Craig. For 12 years, Craig was the head of production at Riverview through the big years of television stations and goodness knows what else. So I said, oh, maybe it could be this. And he looked at he went like this. He went, you idiot. I wasn't talking with someone who didn't know what they were doing. And he said, you know, the church has a real problem at the moment. He said service has become so distorted, not a church service, but people's heart for service. Service is about God knowing who he is and generously giving of ourselves. He said we see, no, we see this, this problem with service um, nowhere more than in sound. He said a lot of people sitting at sound desks, you guys aren't like this, of course, at all. No, they're shaking their heads. They've just affirmed what I'm about to say. Um, they're there. They think they're more important than the band. And um, I was at a thing recently. Uh, there were ten people in the sound booth, but there wasn't actually one of these to put the microphone on. Serious. And all we needed was a microphone and a lectern. There were ten people in the sound booth. He said one guy, um, he went into a church and he saw the sound desk had all these red lights on it, like random red lights on the, on the channels. And Craig said to this guy, he said, what's that? He said, oh, they're people I don't like, so if they're peeving me off, I just mute them. <laughs> a heart for service. To serve Who? What's in this for me, the first three soils are saying. Serving God for what's in it for me or serving God going down deep to get God. What are you about? How do you roll? Who are you serving? See, Jesus knows the challenge are actually the people who, for various reasons, are not interested in him for who he is, but only what they can get out of him. And the first group, the rocks, get nothing out of him. The second group gets a little bit out of him. And the third group gets a lot out of him. But at the same time, they're completely distracted by these two competing things of desires and cares. Now, it's interesting because this is where we get to the bit that's contentious about the parables generally. It seems in verse 11 and 12, and Jesus is saying this, that he's actually set up to tell them stories so you won't get it. So you don't get it. Me, 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 I've got it, you haven't. That's what it kind of feels like. Well, the actual quote, interestingly enough, is from Isaiah chapter 6. So it's a biblical quote that he quotes that from. And here's what's happening for Jesus. He's actually being swamped by people who want, 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 day and night, night and day, everywhere they want, 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 but they don't want him. An evil generation seeks after a sign or a miracle. They want, want, want the result, not the journey into him. They're not interested in his message. 
And what he says is saying here is that parables essentially are like filters. The people who are really interested in me, Jesus said, the people who really want to figure it out, the people who fear the who feel the power of the word and want to go deeper, want to work it in, come and say, tell us, tell us what does this mean? You'll see in verse 10, the 12 and others around him asked him, what does this mean? They want to work it in, but only a few come. And they're the right ones. They're the ones he's trying to get to. And he's filtering the others out. So, the seed is so small and weak, it's not a hammer, the power of God that crushes things, or a fire that incendiaries, immolates things, or a sword that slashes things to pieces. Why? Because God shows us that his way is to fall to the ground and die. That's where the life comes from. Not to whack the button on the sound desk to cut the person off that irritates you. God's way is to fall to the ground and die. And infinite power comes through bowing the knee and weakness. And of course in Gethsemane, where some of you have been, Jesus looks up to heaven and says, isn't there another way? Dad, couldn't we just do it differently? And Dad says, my life can't be released into them unless you become a seed, unless you go into the ground and die. And he does that and goes down deep for the sin of the whole world. And that's the secret of God's power. And it's not our way. It's God's way. And this passage ends on a note of triumph. Even though three out of the four soils resist the power and Jesus' transformation, the last one produces 30, 60 and 100 fold, maybe depending on how deep the roots go down. And that's supernatural and wonderful. When we go into an old cemetery, Jason, we're finishing now. When we go into an old cemetery, it's not uncommon to see this, is it? One little seed, a beech or an acorn or a pine seed, and what it can do when it goes down deep. This is actually the real grave of an historic person who was a renowned, pompous atheist. And when she died in 1723, or was dying in 1723, she said, I don't believe any of that rot. I'm going to go into the ground and... And unless, and unless a beech tree grows out of my grave with four branches coming out of the ground, you should never believe. Well, guess what that is? That's the nature of the transforming power of God. It blows marble slabs. It explodes them away and releases the power. So God's in the business of exploding you know, the slabs that cover our lives and prevent us from seeing these things, whether it's fear or addiction or selfishness or isolation or self-loathing or any attack from within or without. Jesus' love is available to burst that slab and roll it away. And that power is manifest in his great strength through that seed of the good news, the word, and it's manifest in our weakness.
So it must be for me, if that's the way it works, and maybe for some of you. Lord Jesus, for your people this morning, we thank you for this inspiring little word about seeds and soils. And there's an invitation this morning to receive you, to receive, Lord Jesus, uh, the spread seed of your love, your good news, your life, your gospel. So for anyone now who would be refreshed or renewed or for the first time say, please do that seed thing in me, we ask that you would come and bless them. For those of us that just tend to make it about us, come on God, fix me. Come on God, work for me. Come on God, help me. Come on God, come on God, it's all about me. Lord, reveal to us the other way. The other way of how the power is released by setting our roots deeper down. And Lord, finally for us, help us to see if we're feeling very weak today that we're in a powerful place because of the power of your resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen.